Howdy, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Ammoners Podcast. I'm Max, and I'm joined this week by Mr. Brandon D. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We took a break last week, so we'll be covering two two episodes each of uh, God of High School and ReZero. Without further ado, we'll just jump into God of High School talk. I mean, um, we're still in the midst of this uh, national tournament. Lots going on. We got in- introduced to a few key characters in this uh, episode. Um, Brandon, what did you think of uh, um, these past uh, two episodes of God of High School? I really liked them. Um, a lot of story progression, especially with episode eight, with the introduction of the uh Park cousins, the Park Ipo and Suong, the uh, female fighter and the uh, dude with the Jin Teji's uh, grandfather's hoodie. Those two were some dope fighters. I'm looking forward to seeing more of them in the future because Ipo was handling himself really nicely up against that dude who was summoning black spears out the ground and stuff. Uh, Jigal was on some other shit, just messing up everybody. He killed the dude. Introduction to episode eight is the dude dying from getting chomped up from his shark attack the other day. It's like, what? Just killing people left and right. The park, um, park Mujin, that dude, <laughs> he is so trifling. Commissioner Q comes stomping in his office and he's just <laughs> like, Cut the noise, cut the noise. What you marching in here for? It has him T-posing and has him laid out on the ground, covered in rubble, and he's like, here's the bill. Come fix everything up for me. Yeah, that dude's gonna, is forever in debt. In nine months without pay on top of everything else, it's like, dude can't catch a break. And the previous one wasn't even his fault. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it was cute to see Epo with his backstory on how he connects to Jin, Teiji, Jin's grandfather, and how he got his book and how he started his love for martial arts and everything. But it was cute to see Jin with that big old head as a baby, not rocking all over the place when he was carrying him around and everything. So I really enjoyed that. And they took care of Jin because that last part of them celebrating his birthday was a cute little surprise. Yeah, definitely. Especially, yeah, like you're saying, tying into the flashback, he was feeling pretty, pretty lonely. Who do you think uh, sent out that uh, like pager message or whatever? Do you think it was uh, Mujin? Yeah, I'm thinking it was Park Mujin because he he's been crafting a lot of stuff behind the scenes. It seems it seems because. He was like, we're going to raise this kid. Uh, Teiji raised a tiger cub into a full-grown tiger, and they obviously see something in Jin that we obviously haven't seen yet, but he's definitely has to be orchestrating something behind the scenes. For sure. And, man, talk about a cliffhanger to end Episode 8 there. Yeah, picture Jin's grandfather all tied up and no arm and all bloody. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, episode eight was cool. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was cool seeing um, Ipo's, um martial arts uh, style. Like, from what I understand, it's uh, one of the first martial arts um, that kind of arose out of uh, Korea. So it's kind of cool to see 
it's really cool to see that just just because you know for the most part if we see martial arts it's some form of either chinese or like japanese martial art um, right so to see that was cool um, yeah and he also added that um chakriki uh technique into it when he was do creating after images and running all over the place and bouncing all over the place so I would have liked to see that fight going a little longer to see what he was made of, but it was it was really cool to see mixed in with the martial arts and stuff because Map has been killing it with the animation of the fight scenes and the choreography of the uh, different martial arts styles. Yeah, they've been doing a tremendous job. Yeah, like you say, uh, the, the Jigal guy, he's, he's quite the character. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when our gang has to come to blows with him. Yeah, trying to do that sneak attack on Jin, just having Ipo take that shark tooth to the hand and bleeding all over the place. He's just like, I'm fine. But he was trifling trying to do that sneak attack on Jin for that. Yeah, and you know, um, episode nine kicks off with Jin um, kind of on the hunt for, for his grandpa, which is pretty significant because as we learned in episode eight, uh, Han got uh, disqualified. So. If Jin is unable to participate, that means the team loses. So it was kind of a race against time for him to address the grandpa situation and make it back in time for his fight. Yeah, he really brought that down the wire with that one because I knew from the beginning that was a trap because it was too mysterious not for it to be a trap with him getting set up and everything, finding his grandfather in the warehouse and all. And that dude turning out to be some clone maker or something, some Knox supporter and stuff. He was just nuts seeing all that. And Jin full on snapped on that man, as we saw with the ending fight. But they he beat the brakes off that dude for three minutes straight and had the side by side of what he did to him after he found out his grandfather is gone somewhere and you're not going to find him for a while because that was crazy seeing Jin go off because we're normally used to seeing him as a happy-go-lucky nice guy, but to see him full-on snap was nuts. Yeah, it offered us a really nice contrast compared to what we had seen from him. Yeah, that was a great sequence, um, just seeing him, how he would react to that situation. And while this is all going on, uh, Mira had quite the battle on her hands, too. That was amazing. That uh, awakening sequence with her awakening her Chakriki powers, awakening Lubu, I think it was. That was the name of her um, power. I think it was some sort of ancient Chinese um, mythology warrior, but it was really cool. And she finally got her sword back. And I had almost forgotten that she got to take it by Knox, but she got it back and she got an upgrade and it was really amazing to see all that transpire because she took that dude out pretty quickly once she became worthy and was able to wield her sword again that was awesome yeah it's interesting that um wow what what did they refer to a national treasure is that right yeah it was a national treasure one of the items that uh have the ability to to kill a god or something it's just like High school has got God-killing weapons on them. It's like, where's all this coming from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I'd be interested to, to contrast that with the webtoon because 
that guy who looked a lot like uh, Darkshine from uh, One Punch Man. Um, That's what I was thinking too. I couldn't remember his name, but yeah, he definitely had Darkshine vibes. <laughs> yeah, he was a pretty nifty and convenient uh, lore dump for us this episode. So f- I, I guess um, did we already know that the guy that she was going to marry was part of their group? Yeah, I think they had um I don't think they revealed that to specifically to the group of um Jin, Han and uh Mira, but we the audience do know, but I don't think they've introduced that yet. I don't think they know about Knox particularly yet. I know they know about the soldiers. Only Jin knows cuz he got jumped by the dude in the warehouse, but other than that, I don't think they know about them. Okay. I may cuz I know he took the sword, but I think I, I may have just missed the detail where it was confirmed that he was with them, but it makes sense. Yeah, it was great to see her um, step up to the plate and get a victory. Um, it's always nice to see another um, female character who's able to hold her own and handle things on her own. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, even though he was disqualified, Han had, to, had his hands full for a minute in the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, he had that girl wandering around and just straight up kissed the dude, helping up the uh, previous dude who was like 38 in high school. He helped pick him up and everything, helped him out and everything. I don't know why he was knocked out in the first place. I'm wondering if that's going to lead into something else because normally you don't find contestants just knocked out in the middle of the floor and nobody noticing for a while. So I'm wondering right. how tie into everything. I'm wondering, because she was in the same group as the Jagal guy, I'm wondering if they're trying to take out other teams um, even before, like, matches start. I wouldn't put it beneath him because he seems like the the kind to take a cheap shot and do whatever he takes to get ahead. So I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, and um, it's another episode with a – with a crazy cliffhanger, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Maury uh, is able to uh, cool down after this fight. Yeah, definitely, because we haven't seen him that angry, and he just went off on everybody. So hopefully we'll see him cool down a little bit more, and we'll get a lot more story building off of uh, what happened to his grandfather and whatnot. Definitely. I think we pretty much covered everything. And, um, well, I guess it may have been in episode eight or nine, but, um, like the commissioners and like Knox, I guess, too, like more or less like declared war on each other. Like now they're actively trying to take each other out. So it'll be interesting to see how that plot thread unfolds going forward. Yeah, definitely. Cause, um, Park officially let them take off their limiters, so we'll probably get to see all the commissioners fighting at their maximum potential, which will be really interesting to see once, if that comes to happen, if Knox tries to interrupt the tournament. Absolutely. I think that about does it with for our God of High School stuff. I mean, it's crazy. There's only um, four episodes left. Yeah, it flew by so quickly. It's like we've gotten so much story in such a short amount of time, but 
almost got 10 episodes down. Yeah. Look forward to next week's. Yeah. Without further ado, um, uh, we'll transition into uh, covering ReZero episodes eight and nine. And man, I don't even really know what, know what to say. I mean, you want to talk about uh, an emotional roller coaster. That's what we got in these two episodes. Um, yeah, that statement. <laughs> yeah, so episode eight, um, we find out that Ram, I mean, Ram um, uh, has been commissioned by Roswell to help uh, to help Subaru and Otto out. They decide to make a plan, which involves Subaru escaping and heading to the mansion because remember three days have passed since Subaru has been locked in that, um, locked in that building. That was big. Um, we get to talk to Roswell in the episode and, um, we, uh, learn that, uh, Beatrice is not a witch cultist, which is kind of a relief uh, for us. Yeah. And we learn more, more about the books. Yes. I mean, so much happened. Um, we can just maybe, uh, get your overall thoughts and then maybe break a few um, of the plot points down. Yeah. Brandon, what'd you think of uh, episode eight as a whole? It had me all over the place. I mean, it was nice to see Ram and Otto and all the villagers trying to help him out, trying to help him get to his next goal and stuff and succeed. But man, fuck Garfield. (laughs) That, he pissed me <laughs> off so badly with this episode. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to let you pass. I'm going to make it my mission to run through all these villagers. And when he snaps Otto in half, I lost it. I was screaming at the TV, and I haven't done that in a minute. It's like, why, why, why? Oh, my God. And he turned into this giant, like, giant, giant tiger man thing, and it's just right before Subaru transports to this field. And I'm like, don't touch that bunny. Don't touch the bunny. Don't even look at it. And I knew something bad was going to happen, but I was not expecting that amount of brutality. Oh, my God. Those bunnies. No more bunnies for 2020. Because, oh, my God. That had to be the most brutal death we have ever seen in ReZero and that's saying a lot because they ate that man alive (laughs) and Rosewall when he said I'm an ally to all of you I'm like what (laughs) I just I'm looking at him confused and everything even though I'm glad that he's on Subaru's side and everything it's crazy how she how her Beatrice has a book that full-on tells the future of events that are going to happen one thing that stood out to me with this episode was Rosewall saying if you want Beatrice to be on your side say I am the chosen one and that'll make a contract for her to permanently be on your side and that had me thinking like with contracts and stuff I'm thinking because on the previous episodes this season it was confirmed that Beatrice was a great spirit and everything. So I'm wondering, would that make a contract in the same way that Puck has Amelia? So now Beatrice will be with Subaru and everything. It's just, oh my God, just information overload and emotion overload with this whole episode. Yeah. No kidding. Um, 
yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are on the fuck Garfield bandwagon after that episode. Um, yeah. Massacred the, the villagers, sliced the homie Otto in half, um, and even killed Patrash. Patrash. Killed, killed everybody, just sweeped everybody. And it was so depressing. And it was so heartwarming to see the villagers finally come around and finally help Subaru, only for it to be all snatched away by Garfield within a couple of seconds of him rampaging. It's just insane. Right. Um, it was cool to see the villagers supporting Subaru. Um, cool to see how, um, you know, over the course of season one, we saw how he built such a strong relationship with the village as a whole. They know how much he, he's done for them. Um, so for them to be willing to stick their necks out like that was, was cool to see and just kind of just uh, shows us a little bit of, like, the character that Subaru is. Um, he was willing to neck out for that those villagers. He was willing to sacrifice himself and just – because those loops where he was helping out the villagers earlier back in season one were extremely just – it's it's just very satisfying to see all that pay off to gain all the trust of the villagers and see them help out in that way, knowing what we've seen Subaru go through for them, even though they don't specifically know. So that was a nice touch. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, like the Roswell talk was really interesting, um, as most of the lore bits are in, in ReZero. It's always cool to get to learn more about the world and um, learning how the, like the witch cult books are kind of basically great value um, versions of, of the book of wisdom. And um, uh, there's those versions, but then there happens to be two, two copies that are uh, pretty close to the, to the actual version. And we learned that Beatrice has one of the others. So that was that was uh, a cool little nugget of info, and um, yeah, the end of the episode, Subaru's on the verge of um, having his mind pretty much destroyed, but then uh, Echidna to the rescue. Yeah, Echidna. Echidna is my vote for best one of my votes for best girl this year because seeing that whole sequence of Subaru just venting about return by death and him repeating it over and over again, it hit different because we're so used to him keeping everything inside and not being able to talk with people about it and just being so like mentally broken from return by death and seeing a kid not just being so comforting and supporting seeing somebody able to talk to him about it, it was just really, really satisfying to see. I've been waiting for that moment for Subaru to let some of that mental tension out because he's been through so much, but he can't discuss any of it. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. You've died over a do dozens of times, but you can't tell anybody about it or else you'll die again. But now he's able to talk to Echidna about it. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, and I I really liked um I mean, first of all, yeah, the soundtrack was um the soundtrack in this episode was fantastic. Um Oh yeah. Like the whatever OST they use whenever Subaru's talking to Ro Roswell, like it's so chilling and good and uh soundtrack 
when the uh, rabbits attacked. That was fantastic. And then, yeah, to, to end the episode with the, the score they used um, um, when uh, Donna uh, comfort, comforted Subaru was great. Um, it was kind of cool imagery-wise to see her kind of descend down to him almost almost like an angel sort of to reassure him yeah his his guardian angel yeah i mean that's basically what she was in this episode at least Uh, great episode um you know i like this series just gives you a little bit of everything it says a lot that series like this can keep your attention and have your like complete attention when there's not many like super action heavy bits um, right. So far this season, um, it's been it's been impressive the way that White Fox has been able to to put this together. I mean, there's so much content in this arc, so much content that uh, they've only played the opening like once or twice <laughs> because they need all the room that they can get to pack pack everything in. Um, it's it's a really unique experience. I mean. It's not an experience that you find in a lot of um, anime. I mean, it shows how much um, White Fox cares about this series. Yeah, because there's been a lot put on Subaru's plate with the amount of content we've been they've been throwing at us and all the plot points that we have to remember from each loop and everything. And they needed that full, I think it was episode four or five of season this season, where they spent the full 27 minutes just going straight through of storyline so they've been focusing having focusing heavy on the story with the cutting of the uh intro and outro so i really like that because they spend a lot more time focusing on the main storyline so that's good absolutely um and i think with that we can just trans transition right into um episode nine um really interesting start to the episode where um, Donna and Subaru kind of just theorize um, about return by death. Uh, Echidna doesn't believe that there's a limit to the deaths because it's all uh, it's all uh, Satella's uh, do- doing. Like it won't it won't stop until whatever goal she has in mind is reached. So that was kind of chilling. I mean, depending how you think about it, I mean, Subaru's kind of stuck in an endless. Uh, an endless cycle of death, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know what kind of goal uh, uh, Satella has in mind for him trying to achieve, but whatever it is, I hope it's worth all this, but I don't think anything's worth all the pain and mental breakage uh, Subaru's had to deal with for the end goal, but I don't know what she has in mind for him. Right, and um, yeah, I mean, he's still... Trying to get his bearings. I mean, he, he's got to address so much, and now he's got the great rabbit on his plate. So he asks Donna to give him the four one one on that. We come to find out that uh, Satella didn't uh, create these guys. Um, Daphne, the witch of gluttony, did. She she's responsible for make creating the great beasts, the white whale, the great rabbit, and the black serpent. In order for Subaru to learn more, he asks Donna if uh, he can meet to meet with Daphne, and she agrees. But he gets a little bit more than what he bargained for. Um, Brandon, what, what did you think on the 
introduction of um, Typhon, the Witch of Pride, uh, Minerva, the Witch of Wrath, and Daphne, the Witch of Gluttony. Typhon was so, it was so unexpected because it's like, little girl, what are you doing? Just casually just rips off that man's hand and whole arm entirely and just breaks him down. It's like, what are you doing? Because she, she seems so innocent and it's, it's almost carefree, like it's like super childlike, like she doesn't know any better. But she just broke that man down into a million pieces. I was laughing at. I shouldn't have laughed, but it's just like Subaru can't catch a break. And then Minerva, which is my favorite sin that they've introduced, came down and she said she's the Sundere of the group, <laughs> and she came in on some Josuke crazy diamond shit, break, rearranging Subaru back into place. And being like, no, no, don't say thank you. <laughs> and just being a natural sundere and everything. And Gluttony, Gluttony was completely unexpected with that whole design and chained up in a coffin and stuff. It's just wild. And the fact that she created all these beasts, the white whales, the great rabbits, and the black serpent, which now the white rabbit... You have to kill all of them at once, or else, if, even if you let one escape, they'll infinitely multiply, So, and they have no end to their hunger, and now Subaru has to put up with that and find somebody or something that has enough magic to attract them at all in one place and just take them all out at once. That has me wondering if he's going to try and pull Beatrice in as a lure or something to help attract them and just take them all out at once, but now this adds to the list of Subaru's problems. Now he has to deal with a black serpent, which we have no clue is going to be, which is probably going to be ten times as worse as the bunnies and the white whales combined, but just a whole lot that he's got to deal with now. Yeah, the fun never stops, does it? (laughs) Man can't catch a break for nothing. I really like the imagery with uh, Minerva um, that the anime kind of gave her, like um, giving her kind of a uh, magical girl flair with just her her mannerisms and um, like the hearts. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things about the series is um, the Witches of Sin and how how they – they all fully embody the sins but in, in ways you wouldn't expect. Right. Especially with Minerva, because she was, she was the sin of wrath, but it didn't seem like she was wrath or anything. She was mad, but she was pounding the ground and everything. But other than that, I didn't see true wrath from her. Now, Typhon was the sin of, I can't remember, what, what was her Pride. sin? Pride. But I don't see how her character would be tied into Pride. But one thing with Rizzo is the looks do not mean anything. And this, which is that have been introduced and everything, and um, the sins that have been introduced and everything, don't give off the vibe of evil or menacing in any way. They just seem innocent cogs in how the world works and how they make it, make it function and everything. But I know with Reza, it's that's not going to be the case at all. I'm expecting something extremely brutal down the line, so... I'm just prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad these these characters were finally introduced to the 
in the anime. They're they're among my favorites in, in the in the series. So it's cool to see them um, being brought to life. Yeah, um, Subaru kind of grilled Typhon on um, on a great rabbit, and um, he kind of declared to her that he would uh, defeat each of the great mob beasts. And seeing her um, reaction to that and kind of that menacing, ominous aura that she gave off was awesome. Yeah, she was like, she was kind of like, do what you want, but I wouldn't advise it because I'm probably going to do something to you later. But because, yeah. yeah, she was like, just try me, try and make something happen. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And then uh, Echidna comes back and it's interesting because... Subaru makes the statement, "You're the you're the most normal of any witch that I've met." Sure, that that's what it seems like, but it almost makes you wonder if Donna uh, intentionally um, let the other witches in to kind of get Subaru to um, trust her a little bit more. Yeah, I'm definitely getting that false sense of security, possibly with. Because she's definitely planning something. Because right before uh, Subaru was about to leave, she was like, there's one more thing I have to tell you before it had to fade out to black. I'm like, oh, dang it. They left us on a cliffhanger on what she wanted to say. <laughs> like, oh, boy. It's going to be it's gonna be something that not, we're not going to be expecting, but I have no clue what she was going to say. But it's wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, you know, um Actions tend to have consequences. Um, the end of last episode saw Subaru admit over and over and over again that um, he could return by death. And, um, you know, nothing happened in, in the, like, dream realm of uh, Echidna. But um, it seems that a, a certain witch was listening the whole time, and she was not a fan of uh, what she heard because uh, when Subaru woke up and stepped outside of the of the tomb, uh, the entire sanctuary was covered in darkness. Amelia was nowhere to be found, but a being that looked a lot like the Witch of uh, Satella um, stood right before him. Like the first time, for the first time ever, um, we've seen Satella like outside. And uh, there's a lot we don't know. Like, did she find a way out? Is she using Amelia's body as a vessel? Um, we don't really know. But um, what 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 were your thoughts on on that? And then you know another another loop, another instance of uh, Garfield behaving in a way we didn't expect. Yeah, my eyes almost slid up my head when they were like, "Satella's right outside." It's like what? And oh boy, because I was thinking that maybe Echidna intentionally, maybe she had Satella locked up in there, but she let her her out and let her rampage and everything. But it was just super weird to see Garfield come to the rescue and save Subaru from all the black smoke and everything. And He's just acting off because each and every timeline that they've been in the sanctuary, he's either been agreeing with Subaru on taking the trials for Amelia, super against it, or willing to kill him, and now he's willing to help him in this one. 
and there's confusion everywhere. The forest is getting swallowed up in darkness and everything. And it just adds to Subaru's plate of things to deal with. It's such a long laundry list of what he has to deal with within the next couple of days. It's almost too long to list. But seeing Rose Wall at the end, I stayed for the end credits. And, man, I did not expect that. Rose Wall is playing 4D chess while everybody else is playing checkers. He played us all. It's like, what does this man know? He has a book knowing everything that's going to happen in the future. Instead, I trust you, Natsuki Subaru. I'm, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, like you said, huge, huge reveal. Um, Really changes, uh, everything like we 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 thought we knew about roswell like now you have you can play the game where you um go back from the beginning of the series and kind of connect the dots and man like it's crazy um at the very least at the very least he knows that uh subaru has like an ability to like go back like into the past and um like fix things because I was calling bullshit on him trusting Subaru and everything, but that episode just threw that right out the window because you knew what was going to happen, and he's just been playing everybody. I was not expecting that at all. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, and it was interesting, too. Like, he's seemed um, – you could kind of get a feel for his kind of absolute devotion to – to the book and the word because as soon as he it was he basically determined that Subaru quote unquote failed in this loop he kind of just gave up on life Roswell is a very powerful like being like like in theory he could have he could have escaped but he basically decided that uh uh, this loops version of him w- was done with everything. Yeah, it's and, that, and, that, and that's kind of creepy. Like, like w- what the hell is that all about? <laughs> I mean, it, it's possible he could have been content with it because he knew maybe if he knew Subaru was going to win in the next loop that he would get a chance to achieve his goal and everything. But it's crazy because he said previously that there were three books. So, which means he has one, Beatrice has the other, but who has the third one? Because it's just just throwing ReZero adding 1,500 more questions when answering maybe two or three in one episode. It's just a lot of questions to answer now. Yeah, man. I mean, it kind of sucks. Um, this is probably the 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 earliest a loop has gone to shit for Subaru. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much instant. As soon as he woke up, this loop was a wash, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, like sanctuaries kaput. I mean, it, it seems like the universe is kind of making him like choose between saving the mansion or saving the sanctuary. And that's what I'm afraid of, him making that decision. And with that final decision, will it be permanent? Or will he get a second chance at saving both things? Or will he have 
have to make a sacrifice to choose only one, which is, I don't know how the, I was going to figure out how to get through this one when all the cards are stacked against him with this, but it's insane with everything going on. Yeah. And we find out that, um, Satella is on her way to the mansion because we don't know ex- exactly why, but, um, when Subaru like goes against her rules, like she has it in her mind to take away everything that, uh, he kind of cares about, um, because like she only wants him to think about her basically. So now he's got to find a way to maybe like slow her down or like, like say, like, yeah, I don't know how she's going to do it against like the most powerful being uh, in this world, but, um, yeah, he can't win for losing. It seems like, um, what do you have any predictions for next week? I'm possibly predicting Subaru will come up with a plan to help distract, like hopefully divert Satella's attention from the mansion, hopefully divert it into a different direction and hopefully do something to just help delay it. Hopefully to just stop her from going to the mansion because with everything going on there, it's going to be a war zone pretty soon with the mob beast, Elsa, and just stuff going to absolute hell over at the mansion. Hopefully they'll be able to distract, distract her. Maybe Garfield will finally help him out in this round and be a sacrifice to just divert her attention and everything. But I have no clue at this point, but that's the closest I can get to a prediction for this because they've just been throwing curveball after curveball. That's for sure. Um, So much to look forward to next week. It's crazy that we're almost done with the first, the first uh, core of, of the, of the season um first core is 13 episodes and then the series will be on break during the fall season and will return um in january for the last 12 so we're almost at the halfway point i'm excited yeah another great uh episode of read zero we look forward to more and uh, we talked about fall a little bit and one of the most anticipated fall series, um, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, got a new uh, trailer today. And, um, you know, it, it, it's only a trailer, but that being said, um, what we saw looked good. Yeah, yeah. Map was killing it in the animation department because with the cursed energy power that the uh, series uses and having – UG and everything, uh, fight scene animation that they showed in the trailer, music and everything, everything's on point. And they revealed the um, voice actor for Nanami. I can't remember his name, but he played on a couple of different roles. He played as the um, uh, Sir Night Eye on uh, My Hero Academia and a couple other voices, um, old man off of Monogatari series and everything. I, with MAPPA's level of animation and how much they've been killing it, I'm, this is my most look forward to anime of 2020 probably because they've been killing it in the animation department and from the trailer, it looks amazing. So I cannot wait for October 2nd to get here. Yeah, it, it looks good. I mean, um, 
It looks like Shonen Jump has the, a new hit on its hands. Um, I don't know how huge it's going to get, but I think it's going to be pretty popular. Um, I think folks who like appreciate series like um, Hunter Hunter and Bleach will uh, eat this series up. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a blend of the two because with the manga art for Jujutsu Kaisen, it definitely has that rough. Togashi like art style and everything everything's super gritty and it has that dark undertone of bleach from the get-go it's it's gonna be a big hit because it's it's wild and crazy and I'm just too excited for this one to get here same um Shonen Jump struck I, w- I wouldn't even call it gold uh platinum with Demon Slayer last year it's probably a little premature to say that uh, Jujutsu Kaisen will reach a similar level, but it's definitely, I think it'll definitely be the face of this new wave of uh, Shonen Jump shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't imagine it reaching that level of success because everything just hit on every point for Demon Slayer to blow up like it did and still continuing the success it did. It does right now at the moment, but um, this will definitely be a big hit for Shonen Jump uh, in the upcoming months. So excited to see where this popularity takes it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think that about does it um, for this week's episode. I mean, um, we covered a lot of ground. Um, back-to-back good episodes of God of High School and um, ReZero and the last quarter of the season um, looks to be big for both series. So lots to look forward to. I think that'll do it for us this week. Um, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Um, I'm Max, an admin in uh, Black Ammon Nerds, and I was joined by Mr. Brandon D. this week. And um, we look forward to seeing you next time. See you later, Ben. See you, Ben.